Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. Happy Black History Month. Yes, it's that time again and for the next month we'll be looking back on some great black TV shows and cartoons. This week we're looking back at the Jackson 5. Yes, a cartoon all about that singing family and we also talk the Proud Family and the Secret Saturdays. It's a real black family affair this week, so sit back, relax and enjoy. So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever, it's producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? Yeah, I'm alright. I mean, I don't know why I said sit back, relax and enjoy. I mean, I guess I can use that for two out of three of those shows today, but... uh. Yeah, I mean to be honest, this even this week is a bit of a one out of three for me. So Yeah, we'll 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 get right into that. I just wanted to start by talking about Dustin Diamond, who uh sadly passed away earlier in the week. Obviously he's a screech from Saved by the Bell. And uh, I didn't even know that he was um battling cancer. I didn't even wasn't even aware that he was like seriously, seriously ill and uh do you know what? He, uh, that news passed me by. I literally just looked it up now. I had no idea about that. That's tragic. Did you not see that in the news? No, I mean, I've been... It was all over the news the other day. Wow, I had no idea, man. How did I miss that? I have no idea. It's not as if you work for a big news uh, corporation or anything, is it? No, but that's the thing. I haven't been working that much on um, day, day news shows. I've been a little bit more engineering this week i think that's probably why it passed me by but wow that's that's incredible no yeah um it was sometime in the week and uh yeah like i said i had no idea he was uh battling cancer i had no like literally didn't even know and he's just like boom just saw it and then it's incredibly sad news and no i obviously we did say by the bell not that long ago I'm kind of glad we did it like just recently now, you know, mm. it'd, be, it'd be a whole different flavor if we did it like now. I guess. Yeah. But um, no, we, we, we did do it. And I, I thought he was so good. He was literally one of the characters that stood out for me. I thoroughly enjoyed his character. I thought he was great throughout. I mean, there was a reason why he was so beloved because he was so good as uh, Screech. I think he might... I think the show would have been completely different without him, right? It wouldn't definitely wouldn't have been the same show. Completely different show, yeah. Completely different show. He was, he was the, the, the lovable goof, and uh, he was a, a character that, you know, I, that struck a chord with me as, as growing up and, and now. Obviously, you think about Saved by the Bell, the one thing you say, oh, Screech. He's the one, not necessarily Zach Morris or the other characters, but it would be more Screech. And uh, yeah, that's uh, wanted to uh, start off with that. But um, yeah, let's 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 dive right into this week, and uh, we're going to start with uh, the Jackson Five. And this uh, came out in September 1971, and some of the things happening in the world. Qatar gains independence from the United Kingdom. Unlike most nearby Emirates, Qatar declines to become part of either the United Arab Emirates or Saudi Arabia. 
in Washington, D.C., the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts is inaugurated, with the opening feature being the premiere of Leonard Bernstein's Mass. Egypt reverted to its original name after 13 years of having called itself the United Arab Republic as voters approved a new constitution in a referendum. From 1958 to 1961, Egypt and Syria were merged as the UAR, but Syria had departed the Union on October 13, 1961. See No Evil was in the cinemas. And I'm Still Waiting by Diana Ross was number one in the charts. That's quite fitting for this show as well, I guess. I, yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I, it was totally uh, unintentional, of course. I, I, I only go by with what's in the charts during then. And if it's Diana Ross, then uh, so be it. The Jackson 5 now. So this was a Saturday morning cartoon series produced by Rankin Bass and Motown Productions. And it's a fictionalized portrayal of the careers of Motown recording group, the Jackson 5. The series was then also rebroadcast in syndication between 1984 and 1985 during a period when Michael Jackson was riding a major wave of popularity as a solo artist. The series was animated mainly in London at the studios of Halas and Bachelor, and some animation was done at Estudios Moro in Barcelona and Topcraft Japan. The director was Spanish-American Robert Bolzer, and due to high demands on the group, the roles of Jackie, Tito, Jermaine, Marlon, and Michael were played by voice actors, with records of the group songs being used for musical tracks of the show. The group did make some contribution to the cartoon in the form of live photographs of each member morphing into a cartoon, which was shown in the title screen medley. Although the musical scene of the cartoon were chiefly animation, an occasional live action footage of a concert or music video of the Jackson 5 would be spliced into the cartoon series. The actual Jackson 5 also contributed to the show by posing for pictures prior to the cartoon's debut, which were used as posters, newspaper clips, and TV guide spots advertising the forthcoming TV series. Though Barry Gordy did not provide the original voice, his character was used and... He was involved as the adult figure and R&B and pop singer Diana Ross contributed to voice her fictionalized self in the debut episode. The premise of the show is that the Jackson 5 would have adventures similar to Josie and the Pussycats, Alvin and the Chipmunks and the Partridge family with the unique addition being that Barry Gordy, the manager of the band's, the manager of the band in the show's universe will come up with an idea for publicity for the band, such as having to do farm work or play a concert for the President of the United States. And the series was followed by the Jacksons, a live action variety show in 1976. Especially recorded medley of five Jackson number one hits, I Want You Back, The Love You Save, ABC, I'll Be There, and Mama's Pearl served as the show's theme song. Each, so- each episode would feature two songs by the Jackson 5. The songs were derived from their albums. Diana Ross presents the Jackson 5, ABC, Maybe Tomorrow, and Third Album. In the newer episodes from 1972, eight songs were derived from Michael Jackson's album Got To Be There, and two songs from the Jackson 5 album Looking Through the Windows. And because 
Michael Jackson owned many pets in real life. A few pets were added as extra characters to the cartoons. They included Michael's pet mice, Ray and Charles, alluding to singer Ray Charles, one of his idols, and his pet snake, Rosie the Crusher, who's a male. Other than the mice squeaking, the pets never spoke, but usually either contributed to assistance, mischief, or joining the Jackson brothers in performances on the show. Unlike most 1970s-era Saturday morning cartoon series, the Jackson 5 contained an adult laugh track. Rankin Bass experimented with creating their own laugh track, a practice Hanna-Barbera had implemented in 1971. This was done to avoid paying large fees to to Charlie Douglas, who edited the laugh tracks on the majority of network television shows at the time. Unlike Hanna-Barbera, Rankin Bass isolated several snippets of canned chuckles from Douglas's library and inserted them onto the soundtrack. The last initially consisted of only loud eruptions. Mild jokes received unnatural bouts of laughter, while other times the laughter would erupt mid-sentence. That is really annoying. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice it, but it's quite funny. (laughs) (laughs) Walking into the room. (laughs) It's not funny. You don't... Laugh tracks are, are one of the most unnecessary things you could put in a cartoon. It really is. You don't need to tell audience to laugh. Either what you're doing is funny, or it ain't funny. Quick notes on the Jackson 5. So obviously they're an American group comprised of the members of the Jackson family. The group was founded in 1965 in Gary, Indiana, where they're from, by brothers Jackie, Tito and Jermaine, with younger brothers Marlon and Michael joining soon after. The Jackson 5 performed in talent shows and clubs on the Chitlin circuit, then signed with Steel Town Records in 1967 and released two singles. In 1968, they left Steel Town Records and signed with Motown, where they were the first group to debut with four consecutive number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 with the songs I Want You Back, ABC, Love You Save, and I'll Be There. The Jackson 5 have sold more than 100 million records worldwide. In 1980, the brothers were honoured with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as the Jacksons. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. Two of the band's recordings, ABC and I Want You Back, are among the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. And alongside I'll Be There, were also inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Now, you know, I was thinking about the Jackson 5, right? Obviously, they're iconic. Everybody knows who they are. But I was thinking to myself, do I even know five Jackson 5 songs? Apart from ABC and I Want You Back. I mean, no point asking you. I should I should probably ask you. I should probably ask you if you even know ABC and I Want You Back. Yeah, I do. And... But they're like the, that one in Rockin' Robin. Is it, that is a Michael Jackson song. Yeah. For those three, are probably the only ones I do know. Um, is it a Michael Jackson song or is it Jackson? It's Jackson Five. I meant. I meant. Yeah. I think I'll be there is also a Jackson Five song, isn't it? It is Jackson. It says Jackson Five on here. So on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's a Jackson Five song. I did like the Love You Save when I heard it, but I didn't. I don't think I knew that one. It's a song that I would I listened to and I thought, oh, okay, this is a pretty good Jackson Five song. Um, I know they did a, a Christmas album. 
like they did a Christmas album, and I think the Santa Claus Come to Town is quite. Um, oh yeah, I think their version of Santa Claus Come to Town is very iconic. But it gets you thinking, though, doesn't it? For such a famous band, like you know, Jackson Five are a pretty famous band. I think almost everyone's heard of them. But yeah. Um. What else? What else was I going to say? Uh. No, because you you'd think like they would have their catalog would be littered with tracks and so many, but I think those particular songs like A B C and I Want You Back. It's just so iconic. And obviously you just remember them performing that I Want You Back and you just see all of them and Michael Jackson just being the visible, visible star and you just think, oh my God, that's the one song. And I guess you don't have to have a a litany or a catalogue of songs. If you just have what, if you just have that one song that bangs, I guess you don't really have to do anything. Yeah, I mean... There's loads of like one hit wonders, but the problem is they weren't a one hit wonder, were they? Like, if you have one song that bangs, you well, I think generally you fizzle out, but these guys kind of didn't. Well, because it's so iconic, because it's so memorable, and because obviously Michael went on to just be the biggest pop star that ever lived or the greatest of all time, he went on and did that. I think that's what kind of that's what kind of happened as well. Because, yeah, I guess if it just was the Jackson 5, I guess there's scope for them to just ebb and diss away. But still, I think, I think like, those two songs in particular are so iconic. And it, it really did help shape the culture and, and, and music in so many ways. And it... I, I get it why it's so iconic. I like the Jackson Five, as in like their music and that. When you listen to it, it's quite cool. It's very catchy, but obviously it's marred in the um, in the sense that there's so much controversy surrounding Michael's life um, that kind of like taints it for me. To be fair, I guess it does, but it's so it's so difficult because obviously with the whole new stuff that came out with Michael, I think those two that did it were talking out of their ass, to put it bluntly. I think in the past, there might be a case where, okay, you got to answer for some of this stuff. But the, the two jokers who did that documentary, nah, 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 nah. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the documentary. I well, first of all, I'm gonna have to say I don't like Michael Jackson's music. I think it's rubbish, and um, I know there's a lot of people out there that love it, um, but I honestly can't stand his music. It drives me up, drives me up the wall. Um, and then obviously the more sinister stuff that you know that's going on. I mean, I've always thought that that was true, and I've always thought it was weird. Um, I mean, so, there's, like it, I said, there's there's things to answer for. There is weirdness that, yeah, okay, I want, I want, I want answers, and I want genuine answers from it, and I want the 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 the, the, the God's honest truth. Yeah, but 
I don't want some jamoke to come out of nowhere and be like trying to clout chase and trying to make money off of it. I find it ridiculous that you think Michael Jackson's music is rubbish because it is anything but. And I think it, it's, you, you know how you were talking about, remember how I was talking to you about the Beatles? Yeah. And how like one or two of the songs get played to death and the rest of the catalogue gets ignored. Like Billy Jean. genuine and... real stuff. What's the other one? Yeah, um, they're played to death. Thriller. Uh... Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're played to death, but Stranger in Moscow is never really played. Never heard Another of it. part of me is never really played. Never heard of it. Um, Leave Me Alone is never really played. They Don't Really Care About Us is never really played. Yeah, like the one song I do like, because um, I had a friend uh, growing up that absolutely loved Michael Jackson. And when we're, whenever we're in his car, like when he got a car and when we're in his car, you know, he'd try and always try and put it on. And there's one song that I really, really did like, and that was Man in the Mirror. Um, but the problem is he didn't write it. It's one of the only songs he didn't write. <laughs> so, apparently, I, I don't know this for a fact, but um, yeah, so the, the one song I actually can stand, he didn't write. Yeah, I mean, and, and he was also smart enough to uh, gain money by buying... Whose catalogs did he buy? He bought the Beatles and he bought someone else's collection. He just bought the rights to it. it. Was like this equity. Boom! I'm having it. Y'all can have my money, but I'm gonna take all of. I'm gonna take your favorite artists. I'm just gonna buy their music because I can. But no, like it's 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 a case of if if those songs are being played to death. If I was yeah, like I said, Billie Jean and Thriller. I would put that down, way down on my list of, of, of Michael Jackson songs. And what's the other one? The Alien Ant Farm covered it. What's that called again? Oh, Smooth Criminal. Oh, that song. No. I, I, no, no, no. no. I, I, I'm, I'm putting my foot down on Smooth Criminal. You can have Billie Jean and you can have Thriller, <laughs> but that guitar riff on Smooth Criminal, no. That guitar riff is just insane on Smooth Criminal. That guitar riff is just out of this world. But no, like they, to be fair, that's a pretty decent cover though. The Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I had to do this as homework for, but it's one of those days when I didn't do my homework as as like, you know, as a kid. And it's one of those ones you couldn't do on the bus. We had to listen to and get hold of and write about um covers and everyone in the whole class did alien ant farm and michael jackson because no one really did the homework <laughs> and no one really cared about music so. that's how i know you went to an all-white school you just do yeah alien ant farm and and then and then and, 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 and their version of smooth criminal with the guitar and the whole to be fair, they kind of flipped it. They kind of flipped it from what the original was. But um, no, I mean you can have those other two, but not, not, right. not, um, <laughs> not smooth criminal. Nope, I'm putting my foot down on those. Uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna make loads of friends with this uh, little Michael Jackson talk we've just had. Oh, gonna make a ton of friends, aren't we? I think well, the thing is, we've got, two, we've got people on both sides of the fence. So I think that's like quite a balanced discussion, right? But look, but, but, but what it is, I'm, I'm not saying that, look, he's completely innocent. I'm not going to go down that road and say, you know what? He, he ain't done nothing wrong. He ain't. 
there ain't nothing wrong with him and, 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 and all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not making any formal accusations. <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird. Like, I'm, yeah, but I'm, for me, it's like, okay, if there's a case, well, obviously he's, he's not here, so he can't answer to anything. He can't address anything. But no, like I, like I said with Michael, especially with these two that came out and did that documentary, you could just, it was clear like i yeah i i don't i don't believe a word that came out of their mouths and yeah i i i just think that um unless unless there's something real then uh i think yeah in the words of michael jackson himself leave me alone oh, that's a that's a great michael jackson song how could you listen to leave me alone and michael jackson and not think he's got good songs man I yeah, I just Do you know what I think the one thing that really does my head in about his music is the little squeaks and stuff he does. That's just annoying me. <laughs> yeah, see that like honestly that grates on me. Even when you do it, it grates on me. Because I'm <laughs> <laughs> Oh right. I mean let's talk about the cartoon in and of itself as a standalone. Don't think about Michael Jackson as the big superstar he became. This is this is this is 1971. It's Gary Indiana. It's the Jackson Five cartoon. Yeah, I see. I, okay, so cards on the table. I watched one episode because I was like, I just don't. I I thought the cartoon was actually all right to be honest, but yeah, I'm not a fan. That's why I couldn't like. And it was it it wouldn't been as bad, but it was all about the music. This this show and. I wasn't sure if they got up to other shenanigans. So basically, I quite like the, the well, fact that... Well, of course they it, got up to shenanigans. That's the whole point. But I like the fact that it was like kind of like part of their life. Because I, I, I mean, I'm not sure if like in the first episode, like Diana Ross really did come to their town and really did sign them and stuff like that. Well, but... she did. Yeah, I, but think what... that, I think that kind of part is true. Because obviously their first album was Diana Ross Presents the Jackson 5. And I think she kind of put the word out to get them signed onto Motown Records. I think all of that is true. I think that did happen. Whether it happened in the guise of the cartoon is a completely different. So episode one was Marlon, Jermaine, Tito and Jackie were are all kind of like doing their thing at home. It's like an how it all started episode. So Diana Ross is coming to town and she has a pink snake in her dressing room and um everyone's freaking out and no one can catch this snake um so and they kind of see the snake on telly is it belongs to the jackson five and they're like oh crap our, our snake is causing havoc so michael goes and gets it but then all the rest of them kind of follow um and michael can't go michael gets to the security gates of this place and the guard says no you can't come in because you need a ticket and it's five dollars i assume that five dollars is a fair amount of money back then and um he goes well can bikes go in free and he's like well yeah it's not on the list so he chucks uh, the bike through he goes i'm with the bike so i'm going to go for free uh and he kind of confuses the security guy so the rest of them come they go to uh diana ross's room and they take the snake and they're like oh you're sweet you can stay and watch a concert and they're in like the empty concert hall and they start singing um abc and she hears it and is like, oh my God, that's amazing. He's like, when you've grown up a bit, you should come see me and we'll get you kind of like, get you an audition. So basically they're not sure if they want to be musicians or do different careers. 
receptionist uh, so they go to Detroit to go to the audition and the receptionist won't let them in they managed to sneak into the recording studio but they ruin a recording session of Diana Ross I w- wanted to know if that bit was true as well and Diana Ross is trying to convince the music producer to hear them but he won't have any of it so she decides to pump what they're singing through the PA system uh, and then they get signed and that's the end of the first episode and the only one I um, it was called it all started with um, yeah, one of them. Yeah, like I said, what? Yeah, like you said, one of them wanted to be a basketball player, a designer, mechanic, restaurant worker, and um, I don't know what Michael wanted to be, but it was something uh, weird. I think Jermaine was wanting to put conditions on the contract before uh, being signed. Yeah, he's is he the oldest one, right? I think he must be the oldest one. Yeah, and he's Muslim. Yeah, and Janet. He lives in the Middle East. Does he? I think he lives in. Uh, Bahrain or Oman, one of them countries. He, yeah, he's he's Muslim and he lives out there and yeah, nice. Um, and and the songs featured from that was ABC and going back to Indiana. Yeah, that's yeah. I probably should have written that down. Right. So I watched an episode called The Winner's Circle. So. Uh, they're driving off somewhere, I think maybe to uh, another town for a performance. But they've got a dog instead of Michael. And they're like, oh, what's the difference between Michael and, it's, and this dog? And they're like, oh, well, at least the dog will give its paw. And you've got the dog giving the paw. <laughs> I thought, okay, this is a good place to put a laugh track in. It's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, whatever. And apparently Michael quits because he wanted to become a racehorse jockey and he's going to uh, the racetrack and Mr. Flugel is accusing Michael of stealing a horse and Michael basically finds a kid called Rudy and a horse and Rudy was like, oh, the uh, he says that the uh, the horse followed him because he was going to be sold and the horse didn't want to be sold and then Mr. Flugel catches Michael and Rudy and then Michael offers to buy the horse and he's getting the money off the other Jackson 5. And then Mr. Flugel and Jackson 5 decide to raise the stakes by having a race. And it's basically a trick because that horse is basically can't run anymore. That's why it's been sold. And Mr. Flugel has a, a thoroughbred. And they, yeah, and, and they're saying that they now have to train twice as hard and sing twice as much or they might lose everything and they um they're thinking oh if the horse can run then maybe he'll have a chance and and then so basically they realize that the horse that they have can respond to singing and so they basically start singing to the horse and they're thinking, you know what? Okay, maybe we've got a chance if this horse can sing. And so Flugel has a plan to stop the singing. So he goes to see Zoom Zoom the magician. And obviously Zoom Zoom the magician has a weird accent done by some white guy in the studio. And he gives them laryngitis until the race is over. And the magic word to kind of release them from the spell is soul. The rats and the snake overheard all of this and they're basically trying to tell, they're trying to spell soul using the snake. 
but they can't do it. And then it's like, oh, soul. And then they start singing. And then Groovy was the name of the, Then they decided to name the horse um, Groovy. And he ends up winning the race. And Mr. Flugel gives up the deeds to the racetrack. But uh, the Jacksons, you know what? We don't, um, we don't want it. And obviously, I think the moral of the lesson is just because we're kids, you basically can't treat us for mugs. And kids and adults are not so different. Dig or ya dig, which is a more uh, 1970s slang. Suki, suki. Any excuse just to say that again. And the songs that they uh, sang in this episode was The Love You Save and How Funky Is Your Chicken. Oh, yes, that is a great, great song. How Funky Is Your Chicken. And the last episode I watched was the opening act, and it was actually the finale. And the uh, it's called The Opening Act. And they're basically getting ready for a concert, but they've basically got to do a disc jockey tour which just basically means that they're going to be pounding the radio stations and doing loads of um, press. You know, for the longest time, I didn't know that DJ stood for disc jockey. Oh, really? That's one of the things I, I do know. no idea. I do like the um, kind of... Uh, what's it called when something stands for something? Like, I, I do like knowing what things stand for. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the only reason why I knew was because I um, was doing court reporting quite a while back. And I was in, I can't remember what, where it was. It wasn't the old Bailey, but um, I was somewhere. Somewhere in uh, London Bridge, there's a big old court there. It's right where City Hall is. I was standing outside there for like months once, filming something. Um, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called. But no, I, I was there and yeah, it was basically a, a disc jockey who was uh, accused of uh, of being a not very nice man. And they kept saying disc jockey, disc jockey. And I'm like whispering to someone, what the hell is a disc jockey? And they're like, it's DJ, you mug. <laughs> I'm like, that's what that means? If I was in a court of law, I would have been like, oh, shh. <laughs> oh, and in a court of law, I would have, oh, man. But no, yeah, disc jockey. Was it Southwark Crown Court by any chance? That's where must, I was. Yeah, it has to be Southwark Crown Court. Yeah, it has to be. Has to be that. Um, yeah, and so they need to find an opening act for their tour, and so they decide to call this guy called Herman B. Herman, who's an agency, to see if they can find someone. And so Herman calls up the uh, radio station and tracks them down, but the uh, and he tries to impress the Jacksons, but it doesn't really work. And now they're late for their disc jockey interview. And basically they're on the Willy Nilly show. And he's trying to audition for the Jacksons. And then they're basically on their way to another disc jockey. And Herman decides to dress up as a policeman. And obviously they're thinking, oh, my God, why are we being stopped? Why are we being stopped? We didn't do nothing wrong. I think, yeah, of course, you're going to stop uh, black people in a car as you do driving while black. And then a real policeman comes along and gives them a ticket. And now they're on the Uncle Groovy show. But Herman locks up Uncle Groovy and it's fake. And they up and leave. And they basically like to Herman, look, you need to stay away from this concert. 
And then they suggest that Herman could put all of his acts into one. He might be good. And their manager tells Herman that he wants his parrot for his bird convention and wants to make the parrot a star. But the parrot is like, you know what? I'm not going anywhere without Herman. And the songs they sing in this one is a cover of Little Bitty Pretty One. If uh, fans of Matilda will probably recognize this song. This is the bit where she's like, you know, using her magic powers and she's dancing with the cereals and everything. Is that when she just figures, where she sees the FBI people outside her house? Yeah. That's how it ends, isn't it? That little sequence. Yeah. 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 Matilda's a banging show, man. I love that film. My mum loves that film so much. <laughs> At least <laughs> once a month, I might have to play it on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's a great my film. My mum loves that film. Absolutely loves that film so much. And uh, the other song they sing was If I Have to Move a Mountain. And that was the Jackson 5. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I enjoyed the one episode I did watch, but yeah, it was very much marred for me. Um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't want to put a condition on this. I, I wanted to treat this as a standalone, a standalone show and be as uh, objective as possible. Yeah, I actually quite like this. I, I I had fun watching it. It was quite easy to watch. It was ba- it was very basic format. Yeah, definitely easy to watch. Definitely basic format, which I think added a lot to the show. Um, I think if it had kind of gone all convoluted and tried to be a bit more thing, like what was it was it was it Jackie Chan? Was it the Jackie Chan Adventures we watched? Where it was just like where you know it just went off on one, and they were end up like solving mysteries with space and arc and aliens and weird things in this yeah like, oh. once it was like they got the talismans they're like yeah what what do we do now oh we're gonna find new talismans but no this was a very ba- very very simple very to the point and yeah i don't really have much to say about that now we go into the next one the proud family so this show came out in september 2001 some of the things happening in the world Obviously, uh, 9-11 uh, happening. And um, basically, a uh, bunch of idiots flying a plane into the World Trade Center in New York City, the Pentagon, and a field in Pennsylvania, killing about 3,000 people, and including all 19 of the terrorists. Google is awarded the U.S. patent Six million two hundred eighty-five thousand nine hundred ninety-nine for the PageRank search algorithm used in the Google search engine. At exactly one forty-six, basic universal time, I think it is one billion seconds since the Unix epoch passed and the Unix millennium is reached. Don't say a word. Was in the cinemas. And What Would You Do by City High was in the charts. Okay, Proud Family now. So this was a uh, American animated sitcom that originally ran on the Disney Channel. All about 14-year-old Penny Proud as she begins to assert her independence and experience the ups and downs of growing up with guidance from her close-knit family. The theme song was sung by Solange Knowles, sister of uh, Beyonce. And Destiny's Child. So that was a hell of a collaboration. 
I, I really liked the theme song. Really, yeah, it was good. I thought it was a bit too long, but I didn't I, mind the, the bit where he's taking. Do you know where the bit where he's taking the picture? Yeah. I think it should have ended there. But apart from that, it's really good. The Proud Family was created by Walt Disney Animation Studios animator Bruce W. Smith and was produced by Jambalaya Studios. Originally piloted for Disney's One Saturday Morning, then Nickelodeon, it was eventually picked up by the Disney Channel and started airing in September 2001. And an original pilot was made and produced by Nickelodeon in 1999, but was never shown to the public, resulting in Nickelodeon passing the show on. Many of the later episodes of The Proud Family were produced using Adobe Flash, and Michael Peraza was the show's art director. It marked the first animated Disney Channel original series and coincidentally the only original animated series from Disney Channel not to be associated with and produced exclusively by Disney Television's animation arm. And on February 2020, the show was announced to be receiving a revival for a third season on Disney Plus as the Proud Family Louder and Prouder. The cast will reprise their roles as and Kiki Palmer will voice a new character introduced to the series named Maya Leibowitz Jenkins, who is a 14-year-old activist. And what some of the creators had said was, and I quote, in our minds, the show never really went away as we still had tons of story left to tell. It's the perfect time to bring back this show and we can't wait to take fans old and new alike on this journey with us. So Bruce Smith and Ralph Farquhar and the, what Agnes Chu, the uh, senior vice president of content for Disney Plus, said was, and I quote, the show's humor and relatable stories are as relevant with audiences today as ever. Our audiences have loved rediscovering their favorite episodes of The Proud Family. And we're excited Bruce, Ralph, Calvin and the returning cast are creating new stories for their new home on Disney Plus. And it won a couple of awards. So it won an Image Award for Outstanding Supporter in a Comedy Series. That's Cedric the Entertainer. And it won a Casting Society of America Award in 2003 and 2004 for Best Casting for Animated VoiceOver. Some of the characters of the show. So there's obviously Penny Proud, who's a 14-year-old girl who's usually embarrassed by her father. And she enjoys hanging out with her friends, even though they have gotten her into trouble and left her to face danger by herself many, many times. Dejanay Jones, who's Penny's selfish, untrustworthy and enthusiastic best friend. She has an obsessive crush on Sticky and she also loves to gossip and has gotten Penny in trouble many times. BB and Cece Proud, who are Penny's troublemaking baby fraternal twin siblings. BB is a boy with an afro and always has a bottle in his mouth, while Cece is a girl with brown hair and pink dress. Sugar Mama, who is uh, the grandmother of Penny. Trudy Proud is the veterinarian mother of Penny, and she comes from a relatively wealthy family. Oscar Proud, who is the overprotective father, hyperactive, immature, childish, but a well-meaning man. Zoe Hauser, who is uh, a geeky, timid, shy, kind, smart, and one of the few white characters in the show. La Cienega Boulevardes. That's such an odd name. Why would you name someone after a boulevard? Because obviously, yeah, Sunset Boulevard and La Cienica Boulevard. 
but yeah, there's a. Uh, I mean, I don't speak Spanish, so I had no idea. But <laughs> but no, Sunset Boulevard is in LA, and so is La Cienica Boulevard. But no, yes, that's a. I don't know. Yeah, I I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the first name I would come up with. But yeah, La Cienica is Penny's Latina frenemy, and she ends up being the most popular girl in the school. Sticky Web is the cool tech nerd who is able to build or hack any type of device. The Gross Sisters, who are the neighborhood bullies and always seen together and go around stealing money. Felix Boulevardes is Oscar's neighbor and best friend. And Sunset Boulevardes is the mother of La Cienega and she's Felix's wife. So, proud family. Right, so the first thing I was thinking when I was watching the show was, right, you're going to tell me this is made by a bunch of white guys and there was no black involvement and it was this and that and the other. Because I absolutely loved the show and wondered where it came from. Like, I had no idea this thing existed. And I thought this show was absolutely hilarious. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought this was excellent. Really, really, really good show. I'll talk about some of the, the, the episodes that I watched that were just so, so good. Yeah. It dealt with a lot of the sort of topics of like race growing up. It did it. It, it did it differently to like As Told by Ginger. Because I think that was another excellent show that dealt with the whole thing in a cartoon way. But they still kind of kept the uh, the cartoon integrity of it. Whereas it's still for kids. But there is something more that the kids can take out of it. And I really, really liked that. It was funny as well. It made me laugh at times. And no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. I thought it was excellent. And I'm glad it's going to be coming back because a new generation of audience deserves and should go out of their way to go see this. Apparently, it used to come on CITV on Sunday morning. No, I didn't watch it, unfortunately. I mean, I think I would have loved this. It's I really wanted to say that I'd heard of this show, but I didn't, man. I, you could tell I didn't. I hadn't heard of it because I was typing in The Adventures of Penny Proud into the search bar and wondering why it wasn't coming up for ages. <laughs> but, Where did you get that from? Because uh, like, on the message, it says, like, uh, the, the Proud family. And then like, on, on the like, kind of tagline is, like, The Adventures of Penny Proud. And I thought that was the episode, the, sorry, the title of the show. So it took me ages to realize, like, I think I've probably searched it, like, three or four different times to try and figure it out. Um, and it ended up putting it into Google and it just goes up Proud Family. I was like, oh, that's probably why it's not coming up on Disney+. Plus. I told you it was called Proud Family. And then you go and deviate and try and look for something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. I kind of dropped the ball on that one. But yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I did enjoy it, I have to say. Me too, me too. So let's uh, let's get right into episodes. Right, so I watched episodes one and two. Um, to find out that Dijonet is holding Chile to try out. There's a group of, like, you kind of see the group of, like, Penny's friends, and they're all, like, kind of useless, basically. Um, Ladies and Michael. Yeah, yeah, and he got Michael's, <laughs> he's kind of this, like, really tall, <laughs> over-enthusiastic guy, right? Uh. Um, so, um, and, I mean, the whole time, um, Sticky's kind of, like, commentating what happened so basically penny is like the the one that's actually 
quite good and they're like, oh yeah, you've definitely got a job. You're so in with Dijonet, it is no like no question. And then enter La Cienega Boulevardis and she comes in and kind of upsets the apple cup because Dijonet and her like go way back and they're really tight and and then like um what's her what's her white friend's name again? Zoe. So Zoe's like, um oh don't worry, like you and um, uh, Dijon are tight. There's nothing going to get in between it. You've definitely got this. And then, like, La Cienega does this, like, super-duper, like, cheerly tryout. And they're like, oh, okay, maybe not then. <laughs> um, and it turns out that that whole thing is going to be a draw, and they're going to hold a cheerleader, like, cheer off t- the next day. So they go home, and, and, and so it cuts to, like, her house. And the first thing you see is Dad changing a nappy. And... It's Oscar, Oscar, right? It's his name. Um, and he's changing the nappy, and he's and he's like can't do it, and he kind of ends up like wrapping the baby up, and he looks like a mummy. <laughs> just like little dummy sticking out of the thing. That's the first thing that made me laugh on the thing. I was like, I'm gonna love this show. Um, needless to say, the dad was definitely my favorite character, probably closely followed by the grandma. Um, uh, and so there's like a new family moving in, and um, they're kind of like you know having a quick look. Um over the thing and then like the grandma has al- already like chatted up their granddad so um they decide to like invite these people over for dinner and dad was like well, i'm not inviting anyone over to my house who's got a bigger tv than me so he runs out and immediately buys like, the biggest tv he can get i actually wrote what this tv has uh yeah so the pizza the bed can make pizza and obviously she's like oh you're only gonna just fall asleep, and he goes, "I've got that covered." Boop. Oh, and a bed comes out the TV. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, have you heard? This is legit. This is not. This is not a joke or anything like that. Have you heard of the KFC um, games console that has a chicken warmer in it? No. Like this is a legit thing. Completely true. It's a games console that has a chicken warmer tray, that so you can keep your chicken warm in it. Um, it's two thousand pounds, but um, if you got a subscription to KFC, I'd probably get it. But unless that was the case, I wouldn't. And yeah, I also did like a uh, puppy talking absolute nonsense to Sugar Mama, and she's just buying it. Oh, she's getting like yeah, she lo- she loves it. Yeah, turns out to be like the Boulevardes family moving in. And so Penny loses it. She's like, oh my god, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me ever. The Proud family invite the Boulevardes family over for dinner, and Lasciniga's dad takes him over to house and shows him like his home cinema, which is like completely soundproof in there. And they're like, and he's like, he loves it. He loves everything about it. And he's like, right, let's go. Um, he goes, when I go on a business trip, I just come in here and like stay here for a week or something like that, so he doesn't have to see the kids and stuff like that. So they have dinner. And... Oh, 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 come on, this is the best bit. And he goes, oh, it's like really HD, isn't it? And then he goes, you want to oh, see it yourself? Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. the boxer comes and punches <laughs> <laughs> He goes, wow, that's really realistic. And then like falls over. <laughs> that made me laugh that. so much. That made me laugh so much. I was I was in tears watching that. It's like it's so close. It's like you can because it's like oh the HD experience is so good. It's like you're there, and then obviously it's like oh you want to see how close it is. He goes, bam, just cracks it. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Oh, how could you forget that bit? I didn't forget. I just forgot to write it down. I think I wrote the note because I watched the episode. Without writing notes down, I tried to write them afterwards. Um, so, so basically, 
at the end of the night, um, well, oh, sorry, La Cienega is like playing the whole family here. She's like, oh, yes, miss. Please, miss, free bags for me. And like being really sweet to everybody. Penny's like, nah, you're, you're talking crap. Basically, you're a liar. And, there's, and then she kind of like, it's a bit nasty to her. Her mum tells her off and she goes, oh, I was only joking. Anyway, next day at school, Penny's, because Penny's kind of maybe convinced herself, like, maybe I was a bit too rash on this one. Maybe she is thing um, nice. Maybe I should give her a chance. And immediately she tries to like say something to her, and and and, and uh, Les Senegas like kind of like like kind of snake bites her. She's like, ah, no, like you're this, you're that, and um, and then everyone else comes over. She pretends to be really sweet again. So at the lunch in the lunch hall, she's like, I'm not going to sit with you. Then I'm going to go sit with the Gross sisters. And when they're over there, like she's oh, she drags Sticky with him as well. Um, She's kind of moaning loads and loads and loads about how La Cienega still needs to do something about her. So the gross sister's like, do you know what? I like you. I'm going to do something about it. And at home, again, the dad's about to go on a business trip. And it goes to like, a, he's like, I'll oh, buy kids. Bye. And he gets out the door and you see it goes to a top shot of the house. And you see his car like disappear off the screen and then come back just <laughs> around the block. And the kids are like, and, and they're like, he meets um, La Cienega's dad outside. And he's like, and the kids see him out the window and they're like, Daddy, Daddy. And mum, the mum's like, what do you mean, Daddy? She looks out the window and all you can see is these trees and it cuts to the other side of the trees and they're kind of like mimicking the shape of the tree um, to, to keep out the way. Anyway, so basically the, the Gross sisters have decided to um, make a plan to hurt uh, Lesianega while she's doing a chili and trial. And Sticky's involved because he he had to do the tech for it. And I think he likes doing the tech, but was being bullied by the the people anyway so basically um penny stops her from getting hurt because she gets like a better um things better of it kind of thing um and also didn't realize that the gross sisters were going to hurt her uh and then they're kind of like a, a truce now and right at the end of the episode you got dad in uh, um oscar and and lesenega's dad in the um in uh, uh, the home cinema, and they're like, "Oh, so good to be away from those nagging wives." He goes, "Hey, hey, pass me the popcorn, would you?" And then you see like a woman's hand come and pass him the popcorn, um, and it's the uh, and it's his wife's hand, and he's like, "Oh, well, I didn't mean you. I meant the nagging wives on TV and and this and that and the other." And then they and it kind of cuts out, and they get beat up by their wives. Episode two was um, called Rumors. Did you say it was called Bring It On? Sorry. Did you say that uh, episode one was called That's Bring what... It On? Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, um, I think it's based on the cheerleading film, Bring It On. I've not seen that. Yeah, I think it's a cheerleading film called Bring It On. I think that's where the uh, title came from. Yeah. Um, that completely passed me by. <laughs> episode two is called Rumours. Uh, Penny's buttering up her parents, who's like, kind of doing all the cooking, to let them have a sleepover. They end up agreeing if Grandma watches them. Sugar Mama. Sugar Mama, yeah. Parents are going out to the vets' awards. Um, last year, Dad got ate by a fish, and he's scared of going. Uh, when they get to the awards, the uh, the birds. Um, when they get to the awards, he's winding up the birds, and he ends up getting attacked by them because he's eating this chicken. Um, no, he's not. He's eating a pigeon, and he's like, and he's pretending it's a bird, and he's winding up all the birds, and they end up attacking him. Um, so, so um, in the sleepover, Penny gets all the girlfriends around, and she turns. She kind of shows the girls like. Um, because the rules are no loud music, no boys. So how are we going to have a party then? And he's like, watch this. You turn the TV on for grandma. She falls asleep instantly. Turn it off and she wakes up and says, I was watching that. Turn it back on. 
So I keep TV on and she can't hear a thing. Um, and she, so Penny puts the, the twins to bed and, and they basically beat the dog up. And then downstairs, Dijonay's invited loads of boys who are not allowed in there. They play spin the bottle and she has to go in this closet with this geeky boy called Myron. Um, and then when she gets out, so basically he's, he's having a, like a asthma attack in there and Lassiano goes locked, locked him in and, uh, the parents come home and say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be in there. And that's how good girls get bad reputations. Dad goes upstairs and he opens the doors in the twins room and he just sees them as they like the twins have this catapult and they, and the dogs in the catapult and they let it go. And he just, so he comes in just as they, the dog shoots out the window. Then the dog hits a plane and then it comes down and smashes on the door. The next day, there's a news report in the school. Something about, uh, this kind of student news report says, doesn't matter about them taking away the beef burgers in the uh, in the canteen because there's no beef in them anyway. And then Dijonay has a didn't hear it from me, but segment. And she has, um, and she says about Penny being in the cupboard with Myron. And then the boys carry out Myron <laughs> and then saying that he's a jolly good player, which made me laugh. Um, and the girls kind of were whispering about it. So there's a rumor that they're, they're kind of were together. Dijonay said it's your own fault, and she says Myron has to. She goes to speak to Myron. He says he has to stop the rumors. Myron's on the news, and he, he says nothing happened. Now people think she's stalking him. Uh, Lesiago was the one who started it. Now they're going to fight. Uh, people think they're fighting over Myron, and she kind of freaks out. And then they start singing, stop spreading the rumors. And I was like, I got song hijacked. I hate that. I hate. The bursting into song thing it drives me crazy then she tells parents that sugar mama says um she should have oh she tells parents but sugar mama says she should have beat her up um and grandma has wrestling tickets uh and then she says where's the dog and dad goes into the room to look for the dog and the trims the twins have strapped it to a rocket uh, and that's the end of that one right so i watched episode six or seven i think called she got game and in this episode, they're basically playing a bit of a football. And uh, yeah, and so it's basically boys versus girls. And it's the last play. And Penny's basically calling the play because she's the leader. And then obviously Lassienica's like, no, I'm the captain or whatever. And then the uh, the grossists are like, uh, no, actually, we're captain. And I'm going to call the play. And then they look at Penny and they go, oh, okay, so what should we do? And then uh, and then Penny's basically saying to La Sienica, you run a fly pattern. You do this, you do that. And so one of them gets the ball. Penny makes the catch. And the girls end up beating the boys. It's uh... And Zoe's basically suggesting that Penny could easily make it if she was in the uh, the boys team. And Penny's like, you know what? Maybe I should go for it. And then Oscar's horrified that Penny wants to play on the boys' team, but Penny's mum was like, is this something that you really want to do? Then you should go ahead and do it. And everyone is just basically mugging Oscar off. She goes, oh, so what do you mean? Because she's a girl. What are you trying to say, Oscar? And he's like, it's not what I mean. It's like, so what do you mean then? And then obviously he's talking about, oh, you know, you're going to get her out there. You're going to get her out there. You know, I don't want you to get her. And he says, you know, I'm going to be fine. And the coach basically was like, okay, so everybody round up for the team. And he sees Penny and he goes, right, 
you need to, you need to get the hell out of here. And Penny's like, uh, no, I want to be in the team. And so the coach is like, okay, whatever, let's let's try and let's try some stuff. And so it's the first snap, and Penny catches the ball, and she's embarrassing the a guy called Frankie. And basically, the coach is like, don't let a girl do that to you. Are you crazy? Let's run the play again. They run the play again. Penny makes him look like a mug again. And then coach is picking the teams. And the coach said, look, I'm refusing to pick you. And even though she's training well and she's basically the best wide receiver on the team. And so Frankie's like, okay, now that that business is over, do you want to come to homecoming dance? She's like, are you crazy? Hell no. I'm not going to go anywhere with you. And even Michael ends up making the team. And he's like, oh, I'm in the team. I'm in the team. And the coach is just like, yeah, just go stand over there, you idiot. Get out of here kind of thing. <laughs> and then basically Zoe has an auntie called Gloria Cochran. <laughs> what a name. And the lawyer believes that she has a case because the coach is a misogynistic pig. And Oscar's very, very skeptical that a judge is going to rule in her favor. He goes, oh, I don't think this is going to work out. Are you mad? And he's like, oh, how much are you going to cost me then, you expensive lawyer? And, she, and the lawyer's like, you're not going to cost me a, a damn thing. Like, it's all good. Like, I'm going to do this because I believe that this is genuinely the right thing to do. And it's wrong. And then it kind of cuts to the court going, court rules in favor of Penny. And so the coach is like, what? What? Are you crazy? And then the, basically the judge is like, yeah, you better shut your misogynistic ass up. I throw you out of this court for contempt of court kind of thing and and the coach is basically like you know what just because I have to pick you into the squad don't mean I have to actually play you like you can go sit on the bench to Penny and you know and then basically the grandma and basically yeah sugar mama has a new chant put my grandbaby in the game Put my grandbaby in the game. And everybody's just basically chanting, put my grandbaby in the game. Put my grandbaby in the game. And the coach is still refusing to put Penny in the game. We find out that Michael is the son of a coach. And even though like half the players are like getting injured and falling off, he still refuses to put Penny on. And he's like, okay, fine. Penny can come on now. And basically the play is a run get is run drag twenty nine, which is basically running at defenders. And it's basically meant to be Frankie that's supposed to be running the ball, but Penny lies. She goes, Oh, it's my play. Give me the ball, kind of thing. And she lies and she runs the play, but then ends up getting hit. And then she's okay. And then the next play, quarterback throws it deep to Penny, and it's a touchdown. And she's basically catching everything. And Frankie's like, you know, throw it to me, throw it to me. And the callback goes, I'm not going to throw it to you. Penny's the one that's making catches. Like, you know, get out of my face kind of thing. And then I think the last play was like, yeah, Frankie's like, look, give me the ball. I want to make the play. And so the callback was like, I don't want to throw it to you. I want to throw it to Penny. Penny's the only one that's catching it. And Penny goes, Okay, fine. Just try and aim it for Frankie. He can, you know, make the play if he can. Throws a Hail Mary into the uh, end zone. 
misses everybody and Penny almost makes a catch, but she misses it and it's game over and they lose. And her parents are like, look, don't worry about it. We're so proud of you. You've won more than you ever, ever will think you've won because, you know, you're a girl and you're playing on this team and you basically made more catches than anybody out there. And then Penny decides to go to uh, homecoming with her dad. Omar, the quarterback, comes up to her and goes, you know what? Well done, man. You played so well. And everybody else was just saying, you know what? Congratulations, Penny. You, you've done a, a great job. And Frankie apologizes to Penny. And he says, look, I'm sorry. I was such a jerk. I'm sorry. And maybe we can have a little dance. And then they have a dance. And that's how that episode ends. So, yeah, really, really good episode. Really highlights the uh, the ridiculousness of uh, sports in school because it's like if you don't have a girl's team and a girl wants to play sport, where the bloody hell, hell else do you think she's going to go or she should go to? Because I think that's what the court was saying. Oh, if there isn't a girl's team, then if she wants to play, they should play on the boys' team. And it kind of raised that um, that issue. Because, like, even as a guy, like, I used to play netball in uh, primary school. Uh, was I good? I'd like to think I was in the right position. But, like, it was one of those things where, as a boy, I didn't have no such problem. I could just go and play netball if I wanted to. And, obviously, netball is a predominantly uh, girls' sport. Whereas, you know, if it was like the roles were reversed, the girls couldn't necessarily get into the football team, even though they probably could. And they could probably smoke the boys. I mean, there were like a couple of girls in our school who were damn good at football. I remember one one girl, I was playing like a sort of a one-on-one defending. She absolutely smoked me. Absolutely nutmegged me in everything. So that's just the one example of like they can do it just let them do it if they want to it never really bothered me yeah i think we in our school we had the thing where it's like if there was a girls team more than welcome to join the girls team but if you want if there's a boys team you could join that too if you want and to be fair there wasn't many girls that wanted to join with a boys team but there was a couple yeah like Made me look a right mug she did that time. And uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, they, they, they can do it. Damn it. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, you know, getting a lot of stick or whatever. And it's one of those things where, you know, it is what it is. It's, you just you just got to take it on the chin kind of thing. But it's, it, 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 it did raise that point. And, you know, you don't want to be a trailblazer. But if you have to do it or if, if you're in a position to do it, then go ahead and do it. And... You know, to all those young girls out there, if y'all want to play your sports, play your sports, man. Get your football on, get your rugby on, get your cricket on, get your tennis on. I know these are all predominantly British sports, but obviously for American listeners, whatever sports, basketball. There's like so many like... Ice hockey. And you see like girls with like hijabs and everything like that, and they're like ballers. You got some of them like doing these ridiculousness with the with the basketball, and you know they've they've you know they've all got their hijabs on and everything. Like you know, you you guys do do your thing, man. Do your thing, and we will celebrate each and every one of you for Women's History Month in March. 
And the last episode I watched, this was this was just I think for a standalone episode, it might actually be the best episode of a TV show that I've watched on yesterday's capers. Ooh, that's a that's a claim. It is up there. This one is called I Had a Dream. Oh, okay. And Penny and her friends are given school assignments. And Mr. Webb is the teacher and he's basically teaching them all. And the kids are like, oh, we don't really want to do this. We don't really want to talk about black history. Things are better now. It's not like how it was before. And obviously, Mr. Webb is basically saying, you know what? We never used to have black history month. It used to be called Negro History Week. And then Negro History Week became Black History Month. And so they have to write an assignment. And they have to dress up as the person they write about. So Penny has to write about Angela Davis. Dijonet has to write about Betsy Coleman, who's an aviator. La Cienega writes about Shirley Chisholm, who's a politician. Sticky has to write about Reverend Al Sharpton. And Zoe writes about Madam C.J. Walker, who became who was the first black woman millionaire. I watched that, that, that show, Ma- Madam C.J. Walker. That was well good. Oh, is that the one with... Um... It's the lady from um, The Rocket One as well. She's been in loads of things, man. She's like proper famous. Oh, what's her name? Her name is Octavia Spencer. Yeah, a, a lot of people criticized that show. I thought it was really good, to be honest. Yeah, I, I read I read not so good reviews from uh, black people about that show. So I kind of uh, kept well away from that. But obviously, yeah, Octavia Spencer, fantastic actress. And um, she was actually tipped to play Jessica Fletcher in a Murder, She Wrote revival. But she turned that down. Because obviously she thought, yeah, like, I'm not going to do this show. Are you mad? Like, you want me to try and be Angela Lansbury? Yeah. Who kind of played that role so brilliantly well. And obviously Angela Lansbury's like, this is well too good for Octavia Spencer. Like, kind of leave murder she wrote in the past. Anyway, 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 anyway. The janitor's basically giving them a hard time. And they give them the wrong names. And then Penny slips and falls. and. They're all dressing up for Black History Month. And obviously you could see like Penny dressing up as Angela Davis. And all the kids are basically dressing up in their kind of roles. So you obviously one of them, Betsy Coleman, Shirley Chisholm, Al Sharpton, CJ Walker. And so Sugar Mama is basically telling Penny to take her dog to get it groomed or take it to the groom place. She gets swept up in a tornado and she basically gets swept to the 1950s and so mr webb who was the history teacher is the janitor and she's like oh mr webb what are you doing cleaning the floor so obviously she's confused as hell like why are you cleaning the floor shouldn't you be teaching and obviously he's like uh well you know i'm the janitor whatever then she sees her friend zoe on the other side of some railings with uh, a couple of white girls and obviously she's like, hey, Zoe, how are you doing? And then you've got like Zoe like looking at her really awkwardly like, uh, do I know you? And obviously Penny's like, yeah, of course you know me, it's Zoe. And obviously the, her friends are like, oh, uh, Zoe, is this, is this black girl bothering you sort of thing? 
she's like, huh? What the hell's going on? And then she's like, I don't know you. Leave me alone. And Zoe just walks off from her. And obviously she's looking at her friends. And they're like, uh, what the hell is going on here? And then obviously her friends were like, uh, she's a white girl. You're not really supposed to be talking to white girls or white people in general sort of thing. And obviously she's just walking to the class confused as hell. And then she sees um, the janitor. Was it Mr. Todd or something like that? And he's the uh, the history teacher. Uh, Mr. Andrew, sorry. And yeah, so she's just basically saying it's supposed to be Black History Month. And then obviously he's like, what? What the hell is Black History Month? What are you talking about? And she goes, oh, it's a month where we celebrate the the excellence and the achievements of, 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 of black people. And so he starts laughing. He goes, what are you mad? He goes, what have black people contribute, contributed? And she starts listing all of the things that uh, uh, a couple of um, black people did. And she's basically talking about Colin Powell, who I think at the time was the uh, Secretary of State. And obviously, I think he was the first black Secretary of State. And then he's laughing, going, there's a black Secretary of State. Like, ha, 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 I've heard it all now. And she's uh, trying to make everyone understand, but nobody's buying it. And she's going home. And Oscar, he's basically trying to invent crisps, or he's trying to invent Pringles. So he's going, I've got this great idea. There's these crisps. I'm going to put it into a tube, and it's going to maintain its shape and integrity. And obviously, Penny's like, yeah, it's kind of been done before, like, it's whatever. And then he kind of gives up on that idea. Yeah, and then he, she, she has a watch. And obviously, you know, okay, this can prove that. I'm not in 955. And then her watch starts, her watch stops working. Then she's going out or whatever, confused as hell. Then she sees Zoe crying. She goes, Oh, Zoe, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then Zoe's just looking at her awkward, going, Oh, it's my bird. There's something wrong with my bird and it needs to be fixed. And she goes, Oh, why do you come with me? My mom's a, a veterinarian. She can fix the bird. And then she takes the bird to her mum. And then her mum comes to uh, look at the bird and fixes it. Oscar's like, what the hell are you doing bringing a white girl home? Are you crazy? Do you want us to get arrested or something? And she fixes the bird. And then um, Penny and Zoe decide to become friends. And she's like, look, we're supposed to be friends. And then obviously she's like, look, the world might not be ready for that. And then obviously I think Penny's like, well, we've got to make the world ready. Like, what the hell are we doing? We are meant to be, we're meant to be best mates. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. And so they go to school the next day. They decide to sit next to each other. And then Mr. Andrews comes in. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Like, you, you, you need to move away from her. And then Zoe's like, no, I'm not. And then he goes, you need to sit down in your place. And then Zoe goes, I am sitting in my place. And he goes, no, you need to sit somewhere else. And then the whole class decide to take a stand. And they have a basic, they have a sit-in and they're all holding hands, black kids, white kids, La Sienica. I mean, that's how Penny was uh, describing it as black, white, <laughs> La Sienica. <laughs> and then they're all holding hands. The one white girl in the end is reluctant, but she kind of joins in in the end. Then it kind of turns into a massive protest outside the school. 
and Penny's basically giving a uh, a Martin Luther King esque speech, and she's obviously using the Negro spiritual "Free at last, free at last." Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And obviously she's, and then obviously Oscar's thinking, you know what? If you gave me the money that Jeffrey Pringle's mum got, then it would have been me inventing the Pringle crisps or whatever, which I kind of thought was funny. Then Penny wakes up from a dream. She wakes up and she's like, oh my God, it's, the whole thing was a dream. And then that's when she learned from um, her history teacher where he goes, if you don't know your past, then uh, you won't really, really go forward in your future. So yeah, in order to learn, in order to, you need to understand the past in order to learn about the future. The kids then go up to the janitor and they apologize to him. And the janitor goes, you know, it's all is forgiven. Why don't I take you all out for some ice cream? And that's how that episode ends. Janitor taking loads of kids out for ice cream. I'm sure the teachers were there as well. It was one of those big group things. And uh, yeah, nothing sinister about that. So uh, less of the raising of the eyebrows, please. Um, but no, this was this was a great episode. And I would most highly in Black History Month go out of your way to watch this episode of The Proud Family. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to watch that. The show in itself, I would recommend anyone to, to watch this show. It's an absolutely fantastic show. It's brilliant. It's funny. It's well animated. Um, yeah, I, it's cracking show. Cracking show. Really, really is. And yeah, like I said, I, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought this was magnificent. And like I said, as a standalone episode, it's one of the best things I've watched since uh doing yesterday's capers so uh absolutely brilliant and i cannot wait for the revival of proud family last up the secret saturdays so this show came out in october 2008 and some of the things happening in the world the united states government announces sales of billions of dollars of arms to taiwan to keep a balance with china's massive arm build aimed at taiwan Ukrainian President Viktor Yushchenko dissolves parliament and calls an early election. Montenegro and Macedonia recognize Kosovo, bringing a total number of United Nations members recognizing Kosovo to 50. High School Musical 3, senior year, is in the cinemas. And Single Ladies by Beyonce is released in October 2008 and storms its way into the charts. Yeah, I mean, I know this song. I mean, it's one of the one, one of those songs that all, all someone has to go is like, uh, 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 and it's in your head for the rest of the day. You're like, no. And, and, and hands as well. Catchy song, though. Catchy song. It, but, yes, I'm saying it's so catchy. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. It became like such a thing as well. Oh, well, why don't you put a ring on it? Oh, yeah. you're going to put a ring on it? Oh. <laughs> ah, good stuff, good stuff. Um, okay, so The Secret Saturday. So this was an American animated TV series created by Canadian cartoonist Jay Stevens for Cartoon Network, and it follows the adventures of the Saturdays, a family of cryptozoologists that work to keep the truth about cryptids from getting out to protect both the human race and the species themselves. The Saturdays travel the earth searching for cryptids to study 
and battling twisted villains like the megalomaniac Vivi Argos. The series is influenced by 1960s era Hanna-Barbera action series and is combined with Jay Stevens' own personal interest in cryptozoology. The Secret Saturdays was the first Cartoon Network original series to be broadcast in high definition. The Saturdays are members of the Secret Scientists, a global organization with the goal of studying and safeguarding sciences considered too dangerous to be general public knowledge. As the foremost experts in cryptids, the Saturdays are responsible for studying and protecting cryptids around the world, while also keeping their existence a secret from the rest of humanity and averting cryptid-related threats. The Saturdays travel in their airship with their cryptid companions Fiskerton, Komodo and Zon, while the young Zack Saturday strives to help his parents with their missions and to master his mysterious innate ability to influence and control the actions of cryptids. Some of the characters, so there's Zack Saturday, who seeks adventure at every turn, easily satisfied by his cryptid researching family. Zack has an unorthodox upbringing that has taken him around the planet. Doc Saturday is the patriarch and the Indiana Jones-like character who has spent his whole life studying cryptids. Drew Saturday is the matriarch and the one who believes in magic, being more prone to accepting things on faith rather than empirical evidence. Fiskerton is the seven-foot-tall gorilla cat with glowing red eyes based on the Fiskerton phantom. Komodo is the 250-pound genetically altered Komodo dragon with a voracious appetite. He can become invisible and make other objects invisible, which comes in handy for stealth missions. Zon is a pterosaur that lives in a nest near the Saturday headquarters but isn't truly owned by them. Vivi Argos is the main villain and arch enemy of the Saturdays and he is the host of Vivi Argos' Weird World, a series that made him the modern master of the bizarre of the earth. Rani Nagi is a four-armed naga and the queen of her race and she can control any type of snake and speak through them and her species is able to speak and breathe underwater. So, The Secret Saturdays. I thought, right, that this was a musical one, and I thought there was someone I hadn't heard of in Proud Family, right? And I thought this was about the Saturdays, and then the other one was about the Jackson 5, and there was something I was missing. So, There's no black people in the Saturdays. Why would I do a show about the Saturdays in Black History Month? No, but I didn't know about that, because I've just heard of the band, so I just thought it was that. So when I turned it on, I was like, what the hell is this? And to be honest, that feeling didn't go away. Um, because the show was like, absolute garbage it was i was like he's got me into another johnny quest thing this is <laughs> okay first of all don't compare this show to johnny quest second <laughs> of all i still can't believe that you would think i would do a show about the saturdays no i just thought it was a musical one because um i got because obviously the, the saturdays five. are a girl group right yeah i knew they were a girl group but that's all i knew about them hell if i know who the the members names are but right. yeah, they're all white. Really? Yes. Oh yeah, they look quite white. Quite white. They're all white. They're almost see-through. Okay, members. Yeah, Frankie, Molly, Una. Oh, Rochelle. I know her. She's uh, married to uh, your man from JLS, 
and Vanessa. Oh, isn't she the one on? Um, she does the telly. She's not white. What Rochelle? Yeah, Rochelle Heams or whatever Marvin She's from not JNS white. Is a... Well, okay, three three out of five is white. Okay, so sixty percent of this group is white. Alright, it's good mess. No, but anyway, that's what I thought. But, anyway, but uh, so, so basically, this show was like I was, I had Cartoon Network, never watched it. Uh, I think it was probably a little bit after my time. So, well, yeah, um, two thousand and eight. Yeah, so um, it was a tough watch. I can't. I don't know what else to say about it. It was um, yeah. I what what what? I don't know what else to say. Okay, I a hundred percent agree with you. This oh this is biker mice from Mars level bad. What the hell were they thinking having a one hour pilot for your TV show? Are you dumb? Are you dumb? Because it's we have the benefit of watching 43 minutes, but over there in America. They, 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 everything is commercial break, commercial break. Even for a half an hour show, you're going to sit through two commercial breaks. Here in this country, we only do one, and that's bad enough. But over there, it would have, the runtime would have been at least hour 10, hour 15 minutes. How are you going to make children sit there for one hour and 15 minutes and expect them to stick through this show? Are you, are you, God, it's, it's, it's brainless, it's stupid. Yeah, and it wasn't even a good hour either, to be no, honest. No, it wasn't. This was a really, really... This was... Yeah, I, I fell asleep and I didn't care to find out what what happened in the end. And look, this was this was my general notes for Secret Saturdays. Yeah, one line. One word. <laughs> I... Was like yeah, I I I couldn't, and like, I fell asleep because normally when I fall asleep when I watch a TV show, I will you know what? Oh man, I fell asleep. Let me uh, rewind it and see what I missed. Yeah. This I fell asleep and I was like, oh, is it over? Thank God. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going back to this. I mean, I watched the one episode, the the forty minute first one. I will be quite happy if I never watched any of this ever again, ever. Should we do episodes? Yeah, get 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 you get it over with. Um, right, so there's these weird things called cri- Kryptons or something or other, uh, and they they research. My notes going to be a little bit rough here because I was um, had like a child in one hand, phone in the other hand, trying to do this these notes. So, uh, the boy gets saved by this giant monkey thing. He crashes into an invisible lizard. Turns out it's his friends. They're going to the ruins. Now a man saves them from a boulder. That's his dad. They're a family, and there's other scientists who are trying to figure stuff out before the baddies. The baddies with rocks on their back, rockets on their back, they're attacking this research station. Dr. Cheville, uh, there's a baddie called Argos, and the goodies stole a stone. Oh, I've written Argos the whole time. (laughs) Um, Argos. So basically, the goodies stole a stone off him, and he nicked it back. That's the first thing you know. Then... The little boy's got powers. It's called Zack. And there's his hand of Sukaloon. He helps with the powers. And then he makes loads of frogs by accident. Then the baddies can't find a stone. 
in his place. Zach's dad comes um, and fights, and the mum and the baddies run off. Then the mum saves the dad. Then Zach tries to join him, but the parents say no. Then Dr. Miranda calls, and that she's had her piece of the stone nicked. Um, so this stone basically leads you to this thing called Kerr, which can give you the most power in the whole world. Uh, they all have a piece of it, but then Argos stole it. Man has this weird transmitting bug on him, so now he knows where the uh, their piece of the stone is. The bugs come out with some flammable gas spray, big explosion. They all get a piece of the stone. They're all going to get a piece of the stone. Really dangerous, baddie thing protecting the stone. Ugh. Dad gives Zach a staff, and then Dad shows him how it works. They're getting a dogfight with a baddie. Their ship gets broken. Uh, Zach gets taken away by this dinosaur. Everyone gets captured. Zach saves them. Turns out dinosaur thought they were baddies because they crashed right through the nest. They go through the jungle to get the stone. Baddies come. They followed them. Good way to find the stone. Argos paralyzes them. Takes the stone. Everyone gets tied up. Lion things come out. Z Zach makes lions stop. Argos makes them come again. The minion of Argos gets goes into monster mode. Lion cuts Zach's ropes. Zack fights Argos and the minion man alone. He uses the lion's mind control to get the minion. The rest of the family escape. Zack gets tangled in a tree. Argos comes but gets chased off by lions. Dinosaur saves Zack, then he saves the dinosaur back. Minion steals the stone and gets the plane and runs off. Everyone's happy with Zack. They keep the dinosaur on Weird World. And Argos is showing people that he's got the stone. Yeah. That was as painful to watch as it was to read out. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, okay, so uh, some of the other things that happened in the first season, they're also pitted against bounty hunter Leonidas Van Rook and his apprentice, who is later revealed to be Drew's long-lost brother. Oh! Ooh. Oh! <laughs> Let's go! Okay, this show just got interesting now. Why didn't I watch this episode with the long-lost brother? who And he was separated from her after their parents had died in an accident in the Himalayas. The Saturdays also discover an ancient mirror which leads to a dimension made of antimatter and encounter their evil counterparts whom Zack dubs the Mondays. Ah, because the Saturdays are the good guys and Saturdays means, you know, the weekend. And Mondays is the bad guy because yeah. everyone hates Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's clever. Okay, that's clever. I, I'm going to give you that one. At the end of the first season, the Saturdays and Argos race to Kerr's supposed resting place in Antarctica, only to discover that Kerr is actually Zack. When the Kerr stone first shattered years ago, Kerr's soul entered Zack's unborn body, which is the origin of Zack's cryptid influencing powers. Oh! Oh! Oh, <laughs> I'm more excited about me reading this than actually watching this. Why didn't this? Why didn't they portray all of this stuff in the first episode? If you're gonna make me sit through an hour of this tripe, at least include all this stuff. Include yeah. the long lost brother. Include Zach's past. Come on. And in the second season, Argos taking an interest in Zach as the true Kerr bargains with Zach to teach him how to use his powers. Meanwhile, the secret scientists have turned against the Saturdays, wishing to capture Zack and place him into a cryogenic sleep to prevent him from becoming a serious threat. As, Do as Doyle and a reformed Van Rook investigate the origins of Vivi Argost, 
they discover that Argos is actually a cryptid. The Yeti uh, was responsible for the murder of Drew and Doyle's parents decades ago. Argos captures Zack and reveals himself as the Yeti. Then he uses the mirror artifact to summon Zack Monday, whose powers he steals, giving him the same powers as Zack. Argos and Zack wage a global cryptic war against each other using their Kerr abilities. But Zack ultimately overpowers Argos, forcing him to retreat. And after killing Van Nook, Argos captures Zack and tries to absorb his powers. In addition to Zack Mondays, but the combination of matter and antimatter destroy Argos and the power of Kerr permanently. Quick notes on the finale. So yeah, the finale. So yeah, he starts his cryptid invasion. Argos starts the cryptid invasion of the Earth with himself leading an assault on Washington, D.C. And Zack goes to confront Argos, where he tells him that he too has raised a cryptid army of his own with Wadi, Yulraj, Tasul, Kalu, and many more cryptid friends he has made throughout the show, acting as de facto generals. Drew and Doyle join the fight and demand that Argos admit he killed their parents. The secret scientists then show up armed with an audio recording of the flute of Gilgamesh, which they use to hurt Argos and Zack. However, Miranda Gray, not wanting to kill Zack, destroys the controls to beam and ship, and Argos escaped with the flute recording. Having retreated to, we- re- having retreated to Weird World, he is confronted by the Nagas, who pledge their allegiance to Argos. Argos, then on the Nagas' advice, orders his army to begin massacring the humans. The Saturdays once again invade Weird World, where they begin fighting the Nagas. During the fight, Argos appears and asks that Zack face him alone. However, Rani Nagi takes Drew's fire, fire sword and tries to shoot her. But Van Rook jumps in front of the blast and dies. Zack, realizing his family may also soon die, agrees to Argos' terms. Argos then surrounds himself with the soundproof glass and uses the flute recording to steal Zack's powers and transfer them to him, which kills Zack. However, since Zack Monday's powers are antimatter and Zack Saturday's are matter, they cancel each other out causing Argos to be destroyed in a huge explosion. Zack then wakes up on the airship, having been dead for a few minutes, but revived by his parents. Everyone is overjoyed once they realize that since Zack's powers were cancelled out with Zack Monday's powers and that Argos was killed in the process, the Earth has been saved and Zack's cryptid controlling powers have gone. The episode ends with the Saturdays paying their respects at Van Rook's grave as a news anchorman reports on the incident saying the global climate change is likely to blame and asks if the cryptids left either because they choose to or if the planet owes a debt to a group of unsung heroes. Now see, when I read that, it doesn't sound so bad. But then when I watch it, it's a completely different reality. Yeah, I mean, it's just application wasn't wasn't that great. I mean, uh, yeah, I just thought the show was. It lacked charm. It lacked pace. It lacked everything. To be honest, no, I I, I wasn't either. It was it was such a tough watch, and it was one of those where I just was like, please end this show. 
And for people out there, if you want to do a pilot, don't make it 40 minutes long or don't make it an hour long. Yeah. You're not going to sit through an hour pilot of a cartoon. Make it short. Make it snappy. Get to the point. Tell the story. And yeah, don't don't do what they did with Secret Saturdays. Just don't. Good. Um, all right, let's uh, rank these shows now from three down to number one. I think this is an easy one for me this week. Um, and it's obviously going to come no surprise that number three is Secret Saturdays. Uh, two is Jackson 5. And definitely number one is Proud Family for me. But that's a, quite a clear way over there, number one. This was an amazing show. Um, and I would recommend anyone to watch it. My top three is exactly the same. Uh, Secret Saturdays was well out there as number three. Not a good cartoon. And if I don't watch it again, then it will be too soon. <laughs> Jackson 5, I thought, was was okay. Was was pretty like run-of-the-mill cartoon of, of that era. Um, yeah, it was, it was absolutely fine. I had no issues with this. And yeah, Proud Family was far and away the, the best out of the three. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was very well done. Go out of your way and watch it. Definitely go and watch the I Had a Dream episode for Black History Month. If you've got young kids, definitely show them that episode. Might learn a thing or two. This was magnificent. And when it comes out, I'm definitely going to try and uh, look out for it on uh, Disney+. And on that note, it's uh, time to uh, bring the episode to an end. Yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your uh, podcast from. So please listen, please like, please share, please do all of those things. We're available on the socials. On Instagram, it's Yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. YouTube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. Facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. You can follow me on the socials at Abdullah Molim on Instagram, Abdullah underscore Molim on Twitter. Give me a holler, give me a shout, and join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. 